Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. All right, I'm going to talk to you guys today out of Hebrews chapter 12. So if you want to go ahead and turn there. We're in a series called The Process, um, which we're going to continue about discipleship, about how God grows us. And we talked the first week about how we are first drawn by the Holy Spirit, that is that He tills the soil, that we are seeded by the Word of God in the presentation of the gospel, and that our seed breaks and produces root in Christ Jesus in our acceptance of that gospel. And then how last week we talked about the importance of growing in Christ's likeness. And we talked about how as we grow in Christ's likeness, we there's three ways to do that primarily, or at least the three ways I told you last week, and that is grow in our understanding of God, our knowledge of Him, to grow in love, and to grow in our submission. Now, those are great things. We should all do those things because how many of you guys desire to grow in Christ Jesus? Amen. To reflect Him more properly. That's the goal. That's the hope. Here's the problem. Is beyond that, beyond that knowledge of God, beyond that growth in love, beyond that growth in submission, this is what begins to happen in us. We begin to understand God. We grow some basic knowledge of God and we start increasing a lot of times in our own self-righteousness. Well, I know God better than you know God. I'm serving God better than you're serving God. In our love, we start determining, even though we're growing in love, we start determining who we are going to love. I'm going to love so-and-so because they look like me. I'm going to love so-and-so because they act like me. I'm not going to love so-and-so because they don't look and act like me. And then in our submission, as we become more submissive, we realize that we are starting to cherry-pick what we're going to be submissive to in regard to the Word of God. Well, I don't like that, so I'm not going to submit to that. I'm going to submit to this. I do like this, so I'm going to do that. Here's the problem with that. That's going to cause a malformity in us. We have to grow in knowledge. We have to grow in love. We have to grow in submission according to the Word of God, not according to our own understanding, not according to our own um, comfort levels. We have to grow according to the Word of God as empowered in us by the Holy Spirit. All right? So I'm going to have a conversation with you today about what happens when we start doing those things. When our tree, as it were, begins to grow and starts to malform, we're going to talk about the process of pruning. That is discipline. You're going to hear me use the words probably interchangeably today, but I'm using them in the same context. When you hear me say pruning, I am talking about discipline. Now, this is freaking some of y'all out already. Oh, Pastor Jim typically is loud and in your face, and, and he's going to talk about discipline today. I am, and it's going to be a difficult conversation for some. But let me tell you, it shouldn't be. Discipline is God's grace over your life. I want you to reframe what you think discipline is and hear what I'm telling you today. 
We get in trouble. We think, man, I'm getting a spanking. God's going to do this to me. He's going to cut this off of me. He's going to, and it's going to hurt. Even if those things are true, that's a grace in your life. That's a favor from God that you didn't deserve because you belong to God. Everybody okay? And so before we get started, I want to tell you that because you were seated by the Holy Spirit, because you did crack and grow root in Christ Jesus, because you are continuing to grow in Christ's likeness, there has to be some level of pruning so that at some point you may be more fruitful than you would be otherwise. God desires that we be fruitful. At the end of the day, at the, at the end of my life, I have one thing to offer God, and that's the fruit that I brought into the kingdom of God. I have souls to offer to the kingdom of God. Everything else rusts and will burn away. So I have to be about God's business. And I can't be about God's business if I'm all jacked up, if I'm not loving well, if I don't have the proper knowledge of God, if I'm not in submission to His Word. But it is by grace in Christ Jesus by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that I can both accept these truths and walk in them. Which makes this talk a little easier because I want you to know if you are going to do and be who God called you to do and to be, you can only do it by the strengthening and empowering of the Holy Spirit because you are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right. So, with that in mind, I want to talk to you about pruning. When we do these things that I just discussed, the, when we puff up, when we start determining who we're going to love, when we lose our absolute true submission, we get, we get malformed. It's time for us to be reshaped, and things need to be removed from us. As I was talking about pruning, I've talked this up for about three weeks uh, we had a gentleman in our church come up to me. He goes, hey, man, I've, I've actually done some research on pruning. Uh, his name's Chuck Jeffries. He's actually in this service. Um, I, I believe give credit where credit's due because what I'm about to read to you guys is really good if you'll listen to it. And I've taken five bullet points that he had in that, and I'm not going to elaborate on them much. But for the purposes of introduction, I want you to listen to these five five things that pruning accomplishes in us and why it's necessary. He says this, good pruning requires perspective. Thankfully, God has that. We have to submit to this year because God has an eternal perspective over our life that we don't have. We're all, man, I don't want to do that. You don't know what I'm trying to accomplish. What you're trying to accomplish means nothing in regard to what God is trying to accomplish over the eternity of your life. Pruning stimulates future growth right at the point where the plant is pruned. Some of us have stagnated. We've determined that where we are is where we're comfortable. Sometimes that has to be lopped off of us so we can get new growth, so we can see what God has truly called us to. Pruning reduces disease and insects by exposing hidden areas to the light of day. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands that so I want to embarrass everybody because I know everybody's hand will go up in here. Everybody has a sin that they'd prefer to keep in the dark. The problem with keeping sin in the dark is that the longer it stays in the dark, the more likely it is to become diseased and to become destroyed. But God prunes us, sometimes not because we're mal-shaped or malformed, but so that he can thin us out 
so the light of who he is can get in us and destroy that disease that's destroying us. Pruning focuses the energy of a plant in a specific direction. Angela and I used to have a bunch of trees at our house, crepe myrtles. They're the, they're the worst. I think I talked about that already. I'm going to reference crepe myrtles a lot because I don't like crepe myrtles. But they be get all whacked out, you know. They're supposed to look all... At the store, they look all pretty, but at my house, they don't look pretty because they're not shaped properly. Sometimes we had to cut stuff off of them so that they're shaped the way they should be. And God does the same thing for us. He hasn't... Did you know God has an eternal plan for your life? And if you start varying from that plan, His grace intervenes for you and ensures that you're snipped off to where you can achieve that greater purpose in your life. And then finally this. And I think it's the most important one. Pruning is expensive. It's an investment looking for a future return. You know why God has a right to prune you? Because He invested the life of His Son, Jesus Christ, in you. And He expects a return on His investment. And until we're willing to submit to this year, we can't give him the return on investment he, he died for us to produce. Amen? So I'm going to talk about pruning. And before I do, I want to tell you, pruning may initially hurt, but that doesn't mean that we despise the pruning shears. We have to submit to them. Chapter 12, verse 4 through 11 is what I'll be teaching out of. It says, You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he, dis he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives." It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Man, that's heavy. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of the spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good so that we may share in holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful, yet to those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruits of righteousness. Amen. So I want to talk to you about this text. I'm going to start, I'm going to just three bullet points. They're pretty simple. And I'm going to start with this. God uses trials and tribulations and temptations in our life or allows them to discipline us. But discipline, pruning is necessary. And the Word of God tells us here why it's necessary. It says, And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. You, have, you disregard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Faint when you are reproved by Him. There's three reasons here why we need to be disciplined. 
specifically and first and probably the very base root reason why we need to be disciplined, why we've allowed ourselves to get all, as my grandmother used to say, catawampus off center, is because we've forgotten the exhortations of the Lord. We have forgotten the Word of God. We don't get in our word the way that we should. I say this every week. Read your Bible. You know why you have to read your Bible? Because this is God's declaration to you of how awesome and how good He is. This is the declaration to you of His redemptive plan over your life. This is His declaration to you of what you should look like in regard to what he looks like and how to achieve that same look. You should look in a mirror and not see you, but see through you and see Christ Jesus. You know how we learn all of those things? We learn all of those things by reading and applying the Word of God over our life. And when we don't do it, when we cause ourselves to say, you know what, I'm not reading that, I'm not listening to that, I'm not, I don't like that, we deserve to be pruned. There's something that needs to be cut out of us. Amen? I can remember when I was a kid, my papa did not accept the answer, I forgot. Or I didn't know. The Holy Spirit will bring back to remembrance those things which you've read. So forgetting isn't an excuse. I believe that with everything that I am. You know why? Because the Bible says so. They teach kids that in the nursery. But not just forget. I didn't know isn't okay either. You're all, well, I'm only responsible for the truth that I know. That's not true. You're responsible for the truth you have access to. This is the truth you have access to. If you're reading your Bible, if you're not reading your Bible because you're all, man, the less I know, the less I'm going to have to do, you're still going to be responsible for that. You have access to the Word of God. You better read it. Or you can expect to be disciplined. Amen? All right. Remember, this is a grace. And I'm going to explain why in just a few minutes, but these are the reasons why discipline and pruning is necessary because we've forgotten the exhortation of the Word because when God does discipline us, we regard it lightly. We either regard it lightly by not paying much attention to it all or rebelling against it completely. God says, hey, you know, you're not supposed to be doing that. Bible says such and such. Have you guys ever felt conviction? If you've ever given your life to the Lord, you've felt conviction. The Holy Spirit convicts us for sin, which is for the purpose of salvation, for righteousness, which is the continuation of conviction so that we might achieve Christ's likeness for the rest of our life, and for the judgment, so that we might keep in mind the judgment in everything that we do. Amen? And so for me to lightly esteem the discipline of the Lord is to say, I don't care what the Holy Spirit says. And you're putting yourself in a bad situation there, and you deserve to have some stuff lopped off of you. Mm, that's good preaching right there. <laughs> but not just that. Then he continues, he said, nor faint when you were reproved by him. You know, some people don't openly rebel against the Word of God. People are reading the Word of God, they're they're not openly rebelling against it. They've just grown tired. I asked my pastor one time, and, and in growing tired, they, they stopped chasing. They stopped pursuing. I used to hear all the time pastors talk about, or I still do hear all the time, I'm burnt out. I'm burnt out, Pastor Jim. I asked my own pastor before I became a pastor, 
do you ever worry about burnout? And this is what he said to me. He said, no, I don't, because I believe God will provide fuel for a fire he started. But you got to stay in the Word to do it. You know how you make sure you don't grow weary? Go all the way back up to the top of this passage. Pay attention to the exhortations of the, of the Word of God and encourage yourself therein. It's okay to be tired. It's not okay to stay tired. If a fire was placed inside of you upon salvation, then it's our responsibility, according to the Word of God, to fan into flame that which was given to us. So discipline is necessary because of these things. But there's also some other reasons that aren't in this text that I want to explain to you to, to really drive these points home. And those three reasons are punishment, prevention, and education. Everybody, all of us get the punishment thing. I get disciplined when I'm punished. We have a very narrow view of, of discipline. And that's why we don't, we don't like it. Why we don't understand it's a grace to us. That God loves us enough to discipline us. So we understand the punishment piece. David was disciplined, was pruned, because he openly rebelled against God by having an adulterous affair. And in that adulterous affair, committed about every other sin. He lied. He committed murder. And then the, the prophet Nathan came to him and said, the sword will be against your house always. That is discipline. That's the Lord pruning David back so that he could see what he was doing, so that he might be brought back to a position of righteousness. Sometimes we need to be punished so that we come back and say, Man, you were right. I didn't get that. That's what my, that was my papa's understanding of discipline. That was his only understanding of discipline. Because he wanted me to act right. Because I belong to his family. But punishment isn't the only reason. You got punishment and then you got prevention. Did you know Paul had a thorn in his flesh? according to the Word of God. doesn't really identify what that thorn in the flesh was, but there was some trial or temptation that Paul was dealing with, and he asked God multiple times to remove that from him, and he didn't do it. God said, no, I'm not taking that away from you. Why do you think he did that? That doesn't seem right. Man, I'm living, I'm living exactly like I'm supposed to be living. And you're going to do this to me? You're going to cause this trial or this temptation to come into my life? You're going to lop one of these branches off of me? Why? Because even though he was humble, he needed to prevent any possibility that he wouldn't be humble, that he wouldn't be arrogant. He needed to ensure that he stayed humble. I'm going to read this text to you. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing, actually. In 1 Corinthians 8 and 9, after Paul just said, I had a a thorn in my flesh. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Well, if we could remember that. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. And then, because he recognized what God was doing, the preventive discipline in his life, Paul made this declaration. 
I, he said, therefore, I am well content with weakness. It's okay to be weak. Maybe God's trying to make sure that you're weak so that you're reliant. Maybe God is creating weakness in you, creating something in you so that you depend on Him, so that you recognize it's not your strength that you walk in, it's His strength that you walk in. It's not your power that you walk in, it's His power that you walk in. It's not your salvation that you walk in, it's His salvation that you walk in. It's in Christ Jesus. Perhaps, just perhaps, the, uh, the human psychology would overinflate itself if we didn't have a firm understanding of this. And I'm being sarcastic, of course, because we all would if we didn't have an understanding of this. But he says, Therefore I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He just wanted to make sure he didn't get arrogant. And so the grace over his life disciplined him, allowed a trial or issue to come into his life so that he would stay humble. That's so good. I praise God we serve a God like that. And then there's a third reason. Education. God allows trials and temptations, tribulations to come into our life to educate us. Did you know Job didn't do anything wrong? Matter of fact, in the first verse of Job, it talks about how he was a man of prayer, sought after God, was a righteous man. The book starts like that. And then the brother loses everything he has at the hands of the enemy. Why? Not because he needed punishment. Not because he needed prevention. He was already all the things he was supposed to be. God actually bragged on him. He said, look at my servant Job. He is everything he's supposed to be. He'll never, he'll ne God confidently said about a man, a flesh man, he won't forsake me no matter what you do to him. Don't you wish God could say that to us? I wish God could say that about me. My hope is that God ultimately can say that about me. But he wanted to, he allowed it to educate Job. Job loved him. But let me read you this. This is going to blow your mind. The last chapter of Job is 42. And in 1 through 5, Job says this. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? So he's just saying, I, I, know, I know who you are. Therefore, I have declared that which I did not understand. Did you catch that? He said, my whole life, when I was living righteously, when I was chasing after you, when I was a man of prayer, when I was doing everything I was supposed to be doing, he says, I declared that which I did not know. Things too wonderful me for me, which I did not know. Hear now, and I will speak. I will ask you, and you instruct me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Oh, what? God allowed that trial, that pruning, that stuff to happen to Job so that he could move out of his hearing and into his seeing. So he could be educated about how awesome God actually is. 
I would welcome the discipline of education, the pruning of education, the pruning of prevention. And all of us should be willing to welcome even the pruning of punishment because it creates a greater holiness in us. Man, that is so good. I am convinced all the stuff I've done over the last seven years, I don't think it was a punishment thing. But I do believe with everything in me, all the medical stuff, I, if some of you don't know you're visiting, I almost died last year due to some medical stuff. And if still slowly recovered, and actually been doing pretty good. I'm starting to get fat again, so that's probably a good sign. But I am convinced that those things happened to me for two of those reasons. For prevention and for education. God needed to show me that I had a thorn in my flesh too. That I can't do what I think I can do. I can't even do what I used to be able to do. Amen? I, I broke my back or ruptured a disc in my back when I was fighting at the police academy. And in that, it was right after I got saved and I started grow in humility because that which I was able to do physically, I immediately was unable to do and started to have to rely on other people to help me. That's preventative discipline. That's not punishment. That's God saying you need to get yourself in the right place. But it was also educational. When I came out of that five day, whatever it was, where they innovated me and put me under, one of the very first thoughts I had is how beautiful God is. Because I had heard with my ear, but now I see with my eye. That's good. You know, my wife came in there. I can't even talk about the disaster that was. Both of us boogering all over each other and snot and crying. <laughs> but we'd been in there just a few seconds, and they wheeled a guy into our room that had COVID. And his COVID was so bad, they didn't think he was going to make it. He hadn't talked in however long they had him intubated. And through, they had just taken my tube out and I could barely talk. And I just told Angel, pray, pray for him. Pray for him. And we prayed for him. And God, within 30 minutes, that guy was conscious. They took the intubation tube out and he and I were having a conversation in 30 minutes. Why do I tell you that? Because I went from hearing to seeing because of the education of discipline I got. That's a grace in your life, guys. We've got to learn that God loves us enough to extend unmerited favor to us. Even in the punishment, it's still a grace to us. He could just kill us, but didn't do it. Amen? Why does he do it? Why? Why? Because he loves us. This same text continues... And six, for whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you were without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. So the second point that I would make for you, the second point I would, I would give you, is that pruning proves love and sonship. Pruning proves love and sonship. 
How does pruning prove love? Because sometimes that hurts. I'm going to throw some theology at you. Write this down. I want you to meditate on it. The Bible says God is love. Not that he's got some love. Not that he, he understands love. He is love. Therefore, whatever God does must be loving. It has to be. Because he can't give you something that he doesn't possess. And he is love. That is what he possesses. That's what he gives us, even if it's considered discipline and temporarily harmful or hurtful to us. It proves God's love for us. Now, I know you're going to have, I mean, i got to get my head around that. I, me too, brother. Just as God's love redeemed us, it also disciplines us. And he does it at his own expense. Did you know love always sacrifices? Yes. I can remember my papa had a, a fishing rod. It was broke off. It was about this big, fiberglass. And it was frayed on the end. You know how fiberglass will kind of splinter at the end? And he'd whoop me with that. He never had to whoop me over one thing more than one time because that was no joke. But he would tell me, he'd hold that in his hand and he'd say the most foolish thing to me. I thought, are you senile? He said, this is going to hurt me. Well, finish, finish the sentence. More than it hurts you. We've all heard that, right? And all of us, when we're 10 years old, are all, you lost your mind. I'm the one about to get beat on. Until we had our own kids. And we loved them enough to discipline them because we wanted what was best for them and we knew they would never see their best if we didn't care enough to discipline them, to give them the grace of discipline. I look now when I was raising our girls, when we were raising our girls, I was all, I don't want to. Angela tell you, I'm big softy when it comes to them kids, man. I talk all this mad trash. But these, when my girls were girls, man, I'm a girl dad. I'm a, I, I don't want to spank them. I get all teary-eyed and all that. But I had to. You know why? Because they were going to grow up and be somebody. Mary Kelso, a lady that we know, told us one time, she said, I disciplined my kids, not just for me. I disciplined for the teacher that they're going to have. I disciplined them for the police officer that's going to patrol their streets. I disciplined them for their employer because I love them enough that I want them to be successful. And God does the same thing for us. Amen? Why? Because we're sons. Because we're related you guys ever been in a grocery store and some tyrant three-year-old just loses his mind in there? Starts screaming and flopping around on the ground? Your natural instinct, if you're a good parent, is to do what? Just snatch that kid up, backhand his mama for not doing something. Right? I'm going to discipline this kid. I'm going to show you how it's done. Don't give me no attitude. And then you discipline this kid. You, you want to. But you don't, because it's not your place, not your family, not your kid. But man, you're mad. I don't know about you guys, but my matameter gets ragged when people's kids act crazy in public. But they tell I walk away. And then when I walk away, once I get out of earshot of that kid, I forget about it. You know why? Because he's not my responsibility. Because I don't have a co I'm not in covenant relationship with him or her. But God, God's the same way. 
because he's in covenant relationship with us, he disciplines his kids. Everybody else has the promise of judgment. Only his children have the promise of discipline. And that's a grace. Because I'll take discipline for the sake of godliness over judgment every time. Because I'm a son. Because he loves me. No matter how much it hurts him. And it does. Isaiah 63.9, the first part of that text says, In their affliction, he was afflicted. Which is to say, as they hurt, he hurt. You don't think it hurts God's feelings to hurt your feelings? Yeah. Because he's a good father. He's a better father than we are. It's good. But even in the pain of discipline, there's a promise. You want to know what that promise is? And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And that hurt. It's going to work out for your good. I didn't like that. It's going to work out for your good. I don't understand that. It's going to work out for your good. You're going to look across the landscape of your life sometime in eternity. I'm convinced of it and go, now I know why. Now I understand why God did that to me, why God allowed that to happen to me. Now I know why. Because he loves me more than any other person, more than any other thing on earth has ever loved me. God loves me. And because he's in covenant relationship with me and I'm his family, he can't let me act like a tyrant. Amen? Amen. But it has a purpose. He disciplines us for, for, for the reasons we've discussed, but it has a purpose. In 9 through 11, I'm going to read this again. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. He's just making a lesser to greater argument. He said, if you can respect your parents, the least you can do is respect God. Shall we not be much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? Everybody say, and live. When we submit to the discipline of God, we have the promise of life and life eternal. But it doesn't just stop there. He said, for they disciplined us for a short time. It seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good so that we may share in his holiness. So we might have life, so that we might be holy, so that we might walk as Christ walked, so that we may be perfect as he is perfect when we're in the presence of the perfect. You know, man, I'm going to struggle. I'm struggling with this stuff, man. I have this thing that I just can't get out of my head. I can't get out of my heart. I can't get out of, I can't stop doing. Listen, the struggle is real, man. I get it. Submit to the process. Oh, no. Pardon the pun. That was actually not on purpose. Submit to the process. Know that God cares about you enough to discipline you so that you can be like his son, Christ-like, so that you can move towards Christ-likeness. And ultimately, verse 11, all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Amen to that. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. At the end of the day, man, we're perfected. We're disciplined for the sake of perfection so that we may bear the fruit of that perfection, of that righteousness. Amen? It's okay if your tree's small. 
And it's growing little bitty fruit right now. Submit to the pruning. Watch that tree grow. There'll be more fruit on it next year. There'll be more fruit on it the year after that. There'll be more fruit on it after that. Until ultimately God takes you home. 